106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Welcome to fall. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. It's Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours. We talk sports with you and appreciate you spending some of your morning uh, here with us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, uh, ready or not, uh, Trent, <laughs> we're yes, going to yes. talk a little hockey at 1025. When you, you are, were, huh? Well, when you were gone. Yeah. Uh, I filled. Um, I had. I had both uh, John Schaefer from WI and Joe O'Donnell, of course, from the Iowa Wild. Had a good hockey segment, and like, there's not a ton, but it's a passionate group of hockey fans out there. And I promised we'd circle around at some point. We're running out of some point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with the now best of five in the NHL Stanley Cup. So Schaefer, O'Donnell, myself, and you. We'll I might have a question. I'm sure two. you will. Did Sha- Schaefer went to North Dakota? Yes, he did. Grand Forks. Obviously, a great hockey program yeah, huge. there. Did he play hockey? I, well, it must have. You remember when you and I were up the dial and there was a picture. He, the, the Wild must have offered some media members an opportunity to bring the camera down, put on some skates, try and score on an AHL goalie. Oh, okay. And I saw the video and thought a couple of things. A, you're you're too big to be trying to deke an AHL goalie. The only chance, <laughs> shoot, uh-huh. and B, what a pain in the you know what he would have been to go in the corner with because <laughs> this is a big dude. Yes. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing I know he did. I know he played hockey. Yeah. Uh, so John, uh, uh, John Schaefer, Joe O'Donnell, eleven twenty-five. We'll do some hockey. The Stanley Cup tied one game apiece. Now a best of five. Eric Heft on Iowa State's going to be here at ten forty-five. Looking forward to speaking with Eric. It's been a while since we've caught up with him. I uh, wonder if him and John Walters are jumping in the car and driving down to uh, Fort Worth for the TCU game that may change times. More on that in just a second. Uh, Cody Goodwin's going to be here. Of course, the uh, Des Moines Public Schools they met last night. They seem to be getting closer to a plan. Plan. Uh, what does that mean as far as uh, giving the uh, extracurriculars the green light? We'll find out. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss it, and then we'll hear more from Cody in about an hour from now. And then our friend Zuba Mahente will be here from ESPN. So when, when I, start, I mentioned the the Iowa State game, K State mm-hmm. apparently uh, has. I saw some reports they've still got COVID problems. Oh, okay, and to the point where Chris Kleiman. Came out yesterday, K State's coach, and said, "Well, they're cautiously optimistic they'll be able to play, mm-hmm. but that's Monday. Uh, game is on Saturday. So my point being is that's Fox eleven o'clock big kickoff game. That's their, you know, their brightest spotlights in the eleven o'clock time slot, and that's where they've got K State and Oklahoma. But if they have to cancel, wouldn't you think that the FS one game that's starting at twelve thirty would just slide forward? I think that's the one that makes the most sense, and, and yeah, pretty easy transition there. The weird start time twelve thirty that we talked yeah, about, yeah, it is weird. Might not, might not even happen now. And so what we have the the fifty three man roster. You have to have a minimum of what. A quarterback, seven offensive linemen. Those were some of the parameters that were put in place by the Big Twelve. But you, you say you're reading Case State struggling Chris to get Klein, that number. Yeah, he said yesterday he's cautiously optimistic. Of course, they had a big, uh, uh, a big 
uh, breakout uh, mm-hmm. w- within their program, and they've got some of the guys back, but I guess there's been a couple more quarantine situations. So we'll pay attention to that. But if um, you know, if indeed the uh, the get the eleven o'clock window does have to close, Fox is going to want something there. I mean, they're going to do their two hour pregame show, and at eleven o'clock they're just going to go dark until uh, two thirty. I don't see that happening. Right. So we'll see. Pay Though they did do that this weekend. Did they? Yeah. After, because Baylor-Houston uh, can't. Right. But there wasn't a lot of options, were there? Because there were just, I think there were 22 games scheduled, 18 of them ultimately were ended up playing. So you're right. I mean, A, you can't just pick up a Conference USA game if right. you don't have a contract with them. Yes. And their contracts are with the Big 12, yep. the Pac-12, and, and the Big, Big 10. Ten. Right. Well, we know that two of those are off the board. So mm-hmm. that also made it a little bit more difficult. But yeah, it went right into uh, the documentary on Tua. Is actually what they. That's what they played at eleven. Yeah, because Jeez. they didn't have any other options, yeah. so that's the direction. You I go. hope he plays Thursday night. Speaking of two, that yeah. would certainly elevate that game. Jacksonville, Miami, kind of a stinker on paper. Although Minshew's a nice story. Yeah, he really is a nice story for a team that traded away five Every, six starters. Yeah, it looked like trying. Come on, who are you trying to kid? Right. No. All of a sudden, Minshew's out there chucking it around, making yeah. plays. Chalk's a nice receiver, and, and they the Robinson back, kid is a good running back. Absolutely. They came back and almost picked off Tennessee on, yes. on, on Sunday. Uh, that game got away early, and then here comes uh, here comes Jacksonville. Anyway, so that's the uh, Thursday night game. It would get a uh, little shot in the arm if indeed to a place. Because the other primetime games we have this weekend in the NFL are... Shiny. Really, really yeah, good. They really are. Green Bay will go to New Orleans. And then, of course, the game we've been talking about since the schedule came out, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, Baltimore hosting the Kansas City Chief, and that one's got a chance to live up to every single expectation. You think Nick Athens going to be as chesty this week when we talk to him as he was last Boy, week? he is, isn't he? <laughs> He's yeah, full the Chargers, of there's nothing, no no problem there. Yeah. Ravens are going to lose to the Texans. Uh-huh. This isn't that good of a team. Yeah, on you know, and on and on. I was hoping that the that the Chargers would would complete the game. Just yep. I don't want to see um, you know the unbeaten thing linger into December. Blah blah blah. They're going to do a type of thing because your team has to face them twice. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't give a chance in hell. To, oh, you know what though, Trent? There's been a change. Oh. There's been a change. There's reason for optimism in Denver. The Mile High City got some good news this morning. Well, that weed's already legalized. What else do you got? Blake Bortles is a Bronco. Oh, look out. Look out, AFC West. Oh, as a gambler, my I am salivating at the thought. Another opportunity that I can bet against Blake Bortles? Oh, this is great. Yeah, no, he's going through quarantine. They signed him this morning. He won't see his teammates until Friday when he gets through that, but could be the backup uh, to Jeff Driscoll, who wasn't awful, by the way, against yeah. Pittsburgh the other day when he came in. Do you remember him at Florida? I do. He I wasn't remember. terrible in college. He wasn't. He never quite... Flew to the heights I think some people anticipated. Mm-hmm. He was a big prospect coming out of high school. Yeah. And early in his career, he was really bad. And he turned into an adequate SEC quarterback, above average. But Now, did he follow Tebow? <sighs> there was somebody else in between, wasn't there? I, I don't know. I don't know. Just thought, just on. Yeah. You can imagine those shoes. Right. <laughs> right. Anyways, um, so I don't want to. I don't want to talk Denver. <laughs> Let's move on. Too disappointing for you. Yeah, you know what though? There's. A, the, I'm already excited about the draft in April. You uh, are. Yeah, because if they get you, you the want to see Elway screw up another quarterback. I don't think they're going to be that bad. One okay. of the one of the New York teams is destined to have a uh, uh, the one pick, or maybe it's the Vikings. You know what? Honestly, the bar news yesterday. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, torn I mean, pe- was it torn Peck? Peck or, yeah, yeah, Peck, and he's out for the year. Can you imagine the Vikings getting a franchise quarterback? 
As a the Bears Vikings fan, are, you don't want to. Yeah, they're not a franchise that craters. You know, they even when they're bad, they're still like six and ten bad. Did you see the Colts Vikings? I know your your Bears were in the same window. So My wife was watching it upstairs. I was watching the Bears game downstairs. Didn't see much of it. I I heard quite a bit about it. Trent, they're bad. There was a, a lot of yelling coming yep. from upstairs. <laughs> oh. And I. I there were words I'd never heard my wife wow. utter as she was hollering at Kirk Cousins. She's, she's, not, she's into the Vikings. She is. And Old she, number eight was letting her down. She was not a fan Ooh. of what she saw uh, multiple times. Man, Kirk Cousins sucks. Yeah, he's... he's Things must not be going very well no, upstairs. No, they weren't. They weren't. I mean, Adam Thielen needs... Yeah, I mean, somebody Batman. Else. You know, he, he's he's Robin is what he is. I don't think he can be one. Maybe he can. Is Jefferson going to get there? I think. But but again, the rookie, you're asking a ton about rookie receivers. Um, anyways, uh, we'll, we'll see. So the, um, yeah, the Vikings off to a bad start. So Monday Night Football, you ended the show last night uh, by, I think you posed to me, is, is it time we had the talk? <laughs> and I knew where you were going. Uh, and the talk is, is Drew Brees at the end. Um, and is he like so many of these athletes that stay a year too long? And watching game one, I didn't put much stock into it. You know, not, not no training camp, no nothing. It was a weird game, too. It was. But then last night, Trent, watching uh, Drew Brees go against, against the Raiders, and the Raiders aren't great defensively. Um Drew Brees overthrew a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees missed a lot of guys. Now, I know he missed one guy in particular, uh, Michael Thomas. <laughs> Maybe the best receiver in the game. Might be. So I, I get that. But to your point from late in the show yesterday, it looks as though, because I thought I saw the same thing out of Roethlisberger. Now, admittedly, he missed the entire season last year. You would think that there would be some rust. Uh, we see Philip Rivers was bad last year. He hasn't been great this year in his new digs. You know, you almost wonder, should these guys have uh, followed Eli Manning out the door? Mm-hmm. But to your point on Breeze, I, you might be on something. Didn't like what you saw. And like you said, yeah, not having Michael Thomas there, that, that's mm-hmm. a huge blow. You still have Jared Cook. Yeah. You still have Emmanuel Sanders. And he overthrew they over, he overthrew both of those guys last night. You have Kamara in the backfield, and you have an offensive line. I told you I didn't love what I saw in week one. It's an offensive line that a lot of people anticipated was going to be pretty good. Top five, yeah. top, top eight at the very least offensive line. that They haven't been close to that two mm-hmm. weeks in. They've been bad. They've really, really struggled up front. And if that's the case with Breeze, they're in trouble. It's one of the simplest equations in any level of football, offensive line. We've talked about it this year with Valley. They yeah. have an offensive line, and with all those D1 prospects playing skill position, what they have defensively, don't have offensive line, you don't have a chance. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it here with the Saints. This is not a very good offensive line. We've talked about it with the Vikings seemingly every year for the last half decade. If they just had and an they're, offensive they're line. They're in the same boat, Trent. Yeah, if they just had an offensive line, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And I think we're seeing the exact same thing here. That, By the that, way, your Bears, get their, their offensive line is getting a whole lot of praise so far. It's held up. Held up better than I anticipated, and, and that's a good thing. Daniels has played at a much higher level than we saw early in his career. Yeah, and, and losing long, we thought that was going to be a pretty major blow. Hasn't been that way no. at so, least two weeks in. Back to uh, your, your, your Sean Payton here. If indeed Drew Brees gets to a point that, and I don't think that, it's, I, I don't think that they're going to bench him. But they benched Peyton Manning, and, and um, Brock Osweiler came in, and we saw what happened. And now, again, Peyton got the reins back in Week 17, mm-hmm. and he was great at the end, um, and, and they won a Super Bowl. Not saying that this is going to history is going to repeat itself. Taysom but what Hill? do you do? That's my question. Is it Jameis Winston, or is it Taysom Hill, who is such an incredible weapon? I mean, you can run the football, you can send him out, uh, send him down the field. Um, and he was open a couple of times mm-hmm. last night. I mean, this guy is such an incredible. 
What's that knife that everybody? What's the knife? That, the Swiss Army the, the knife. Swiss Army knife, right? That's He's, what he is. But is he that as a quarterback? Well, I don't know. And a full time quarterback, and I I don't think so. So do you do, do you bypass him and go to Jameis Winston? I'm, you know, I'm a Jameis guy. I, that's who I wanted the Bears to sign. I'm a Jameis guy. Yes, and he, he got had, his eyes fixed. He had the thirty. Yeah, he, did. he did. He did the thirty thirty last year. Not baseball thirty thirty. <laughs> right. A different one. Yeah. Thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions. I do believe with Peyton, the mind that he is, what we've seen him do with offenses and with Breeze throughout the time, that I think that would be a perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. I think it would be incredible. Now, when does the hook come? You're talking about a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You're still talking about a talented team. There's a lot of talent yeah. out in New Orleans. But if you're one and three. Well, you got Michael Thomas back. I mean, you're two and four. Yeah. Two and five. And your quarterback's letting you down. Look, yeah. Peyton Manning's was benched. He, he was. Bench anybody. Yeah. We, we've seen that before. Who was, uh, oh, Scott Mitchell taking over in Miami and coming in and he was going to be the guy and ended up going to Detroit and signing a big deal. And these things happen all Mm -hmm. the time. And I don't think it's a stretch at all to anticipate that could be the case for Drew Brees. Never a big guy. Had adequate arm strength, but not a huge arm by any means. But when you're 5'11", 6 foot, and now all of a sudden there's an extra tick off the velocity and you're older... And that clock in your head maybe is just a touch quicker and your mm-hmm. offensive line isn't quite as good. Yep. It's James time. Might be. We shall see. That's uh, that's file away for a later date mm-hmm. uh, on that one. All right, baseball from last night. Uh, the, the Cubs had, I mean, they're playing the Pirates. But it was here, here's the thing I took away from the Cubs as much as anything. For the first time in seemingly, I don't know, not a week, but it's been a whole bunch of games, a whole bunch of innings, that they finally put up a, a crooked number. <laughs> Yeah, Trent. I mean, they, it was it was crazy. How many innings when they would score? It would be one, never twos, never threes, never you know explode and put four or five on the board. The offense was um, was not good. Now Chris Bryant left the game again with shoulder injury. You could see he swung. It was an at bat early in the baseball game. I think second inning, uh, he was um, favoring a shoulder and uh, grounded out weekly to third before uh, he was pulled from the baseball game. Uh, Quintana gets back into the rotation tonight, um, so we'll see about the Cubs. Your Twins get back in action tonight. They have not announced a starter yet. Does this bullpen game, and is there a pathway? So I don't think that there is. Is there a pathway for the Twins to, to clinch the division? or they Because the White Sox will end up with the Cubs. Yep. Cubs, I don't know what they're going to have to play for this weekend. Make a case for your Twins to win the division, can you? Well, first of all, they have to win the division outright. The White Sox will, even if they get swept by the Indians, they'll still have the division tiebreaker. They tied the season series 5-5, so it comes down to divisional record, and the White Sox still would have that as they took care of business, as you're supposed to do against the Royals and the Tigers. Well, the Twins were swept by both of those teams over a couple weekend series here about a month back. So that tiebreaker go to them. So they have to finish a game clear of the White Sox to win the division. Currently a game and a half back. Okay. White Sox also have an extra game on Thursday. That'll be the finale. So the Twins are Cleveland. off Thursday. They're off Thursday. So this also. is a two-game set. It is. That's weird. Uh yeah. It's for the Twins. No, it's this is a three-game set, and then they have a two-gamer with Detroit. It's something weird. Regardless, they have five games remaining. Okay. They go four and one. Yeah. White Sox go three and four. Then you got it. Then you have the division. It, it's Cleveland, and it's the Cubs. The Cubs might be playing for the two-seed also could, could. coming up on the weekend. Now, I don't think you're going to go out there and throw completely screw up your rotation in order to get the two-seed as opposed to the three. I don't think it's that important if you're the Cubs, but 
they're still going to be playing for something there. I, it's not a wild stretch. You're going to need a little bit of help, and you're going to have to play well here for the Twins. But do I think it's likely? No. No. I think we know it's going to happen. It'll be Yankees, Twins, either in Minnesota or New York in the opening round. Uh, just, just real quick on the Twins. I don't want to pick your brain on what's going on high school-wise. Cody Goodwin's going to join us at 11.05. He'll provide more clarity on that. Uh, Ron Gardenhire this weekend yeah. announced his retirement. Um Seemingly, Trent, you mean one of those baseball men, right? Mm-hmm. You hear he's a baseball man. Yep. Uh, Ron Gardenheider certainly fits that. If you're going to Central Casting to find a manager for a, a baseball movie, he would be one of those guys that would have an opportunity to win that role. I interviewed him at Fort Myers, and he was really nice. Um, ben, remember when Bench Sampson from Ankeny was was on the Twins? Yes. And he was at Salt Lake, and you know that was their AAA team at at, at the time. And Ben, actually, he made they had a cup of coffee with the Twins. So uh, I was I probably was with Dyer at the time, mm-hmm. uh, toward the end of the Jock days. And I was in Fort Myers, interviewed Ron Gardenhire. Really, really a nice guy. You know, really a good dude. Corey Kosky was there. Who was the ace? Brad Radke. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of the era that. Um, but uh, but Ron Gardenhire and the. The concern, I mean, he was fourth, right? He's, his, his hands are shaking. Is that Parkinson's? Oh, yeah. You know, he, his hands he's are... had He's had some health issues and, yeah, stepping away. Yeah, I, I could certainly see that. Now, I'll think of Gardy as fireballer. Mm-hmm. I mean, just he'll come out there and he'll argue and he'll... He's the old school and one of the few remaining old school and guys in baseball. he was on Tom Kelly's staff in 91, right? Was he there in '87 too? No, he, he. I don't think. I don't think he was even in '91. Wasn't he? Okay. Yeah, it wasn't until probably the late '90s that he became. Oh, okay. He became the bench coach for the. But Twins. he was on TK staff. Yeah. Yes, he was, and he he took over for TK. Yep. They had TK's final year is when the first time in a long time since '91 they were even decent, and they fell apart late in the season. But I think they finished the year right around 500 that season. The young guns were starting to come up. Torrey Hunter, Jack Jones, on and on and on. And you could tell that they were on the horizon, at least, to something there. TK, instead of sticking around, which would have been very easy for him mm-hmm. to do and probably win another division title at the very least, he stepped away and handed over to Garden Hire. Old school. Yep. Not a big analytic guy. Not going to be a guy that's like going that to get into it. But there's so few of those guys yeah, anymore. I know and, and because of the way front offices are built, he's going to become, I mean, he's going to be one of the remaining guys that we'll remember. Just an old-school baseball guy, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Des Moines Public Schools, they had a, a board meeting last night. I guess it was a lengthy meeting. Uh, watching, uh, following Keith's, uh, Keith Murphy's Twitter, um, he was obviously paying attention to it last night. Sound like it was contentious. Um, what do we know, Trent? We know that there's going to be a date in November where Des Moines Public Schools begin hybrid. What does that mean for the here and now? Because seemingly the... Kindergarten and the lower grades are about to start. Mm-hmm. Then the middle schools, they start a couple of weeks after that. And then on, is it November 8th? I think Somewhere around there. November 10th. November 10th. First in class, in-person classes for high school. Right. So what does that mean for the here and now? Does this mean that Governor Reynolds will give the green light to go right. forward? Do we know anything further? Because if here's the plan, the plan is in place, yep. okay, now you have a plan to get back to a hybrid model. We'll allow you but to do that. But does she trust Ahart? And I think that's a pretty big question. Yeah. We, we've seen how contentious this has been. It has been. And ugly at times. This has been between both sides. I, I think there's plenty of blame on both sides of this one. 
I haven't seen anything definitive reading the register article, reading through what Keith said. My wife was watching last night and she was on her phone watching that thing for about four hours and kind of got annoying after a while, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But that aside, um, and I asked her afterwards, so what does that mean? And she said, they didn't say anything about Mm -hmm. that. So is there another? Well, no, so it's not up to them. It's up to the Governor Reynolds, right? I I would think so. And doesn't she have a press? Doesn't she meet the press Tuesdays and Thursdays? Is that she, still happening? I thought, eh, you know what? I don't know. I know she does once a week. Maybe maybe she does Tuesdays and Thursdays. But I would anticipate that if indeed that that does happen, mm-hmm. that the question will come up. Yeah, I, I would think so. Let's hope that's the case for these kids. Right. Let, let's hope that they're able to get out there and are able to play. You would hate to see these kids would lose their senior season between. Well, it's, I mean, if they don't come back till November tenth, it's over. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no playoffs. There's right. nothing. Nothing. For volleyball, for cross country, for right. football. Sorry. It's wait for the winter sports. Wait for right. basketball. Yep. And, and hope for the best there mm-hmm. that you're able to pull that off. Let, let's hope that because their plan is in place, that they get the green the light. Look, at the end of the day, who's it hurting? Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, yes. Let, let's hope that there's some common sense and there's some goodwill. What If there is any goodwill left no. on either side. All right. Ready or not, uh, we're going to talk some hockey on the other side of this. The Stanley Cup is tied at one game apiece. It essentially comes down to a best of five. A couple of good hockey minds, local hockey minds in the market are going to join us next. Uh, John Schaefer from WOI and Joe O'Donnell, uh, the voice of the Iowa Wild. I don't think Joe O'Donnell is going to be following the Iowa Wild into the great north this winter. Oh. This border's still closed. <laughs> right. It's still closed. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it's it's unfortunate. And the sad's not the right word. Unfortunate's better. Stanley Cup's being played in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Two American teams, obviously, um, in Tampa Bay and Dallas. If your family moved with you for the season to mm-hmm. Tampa Bay or to Dallas and you want to go watch Daddy win a Stanley Cup, play for a Stanley Cup, can't get in. Wow. Can't get in. There's no even like quarantine period where nothing. Yeah, they're nothing. They're making a run here. Let's yeah. let's make our way up. Nothing. Wow. Can't get in. Uh we'll talk hockey next. Miller and Condon till noon. Uh Eric Heft on Iowa State in twenty five minutes. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, one oh six Pelfies apply. to ask you for Stompin' Tom Connors. Do you have that? Who's that dude? No, you gotta find that. Uh, what the hell's the name of it? It's, it's a hockey anthem. Anyways. Oh, okay. Uh, let's get to the boys, shall we? Yes, How let's do, do it. You're gonna have to do this okay. for me, Trent, because I don't want to mess up the buttons. We got John Schaefer, we have Joe O'Donnell, the boys are gonna join us uh, as we talk a little hockey. We are down to a best of five. Joe, John, you both there, fellas? Yes, sir. Good to talk to you. That's What's up, Ken? Good to talk to you, Joe. Uh, John, let's start with you. You know, Trent asked me this. Um, you you played the game. I, I saw a video. You're obviously um, – what, what's your hockey background? I, I grew up playing hockey here in Des Moines. I, I played all the way through varsity with the Des Moines Capitals and then played a bunch of intramural stuff up in North Dakota. Uh, you know, nothing too crazy. But, I mean – the caliber up there in North Dakota is a little bit better than some places, I, I will say. But uh, it's it, 
that's about it. I, I just watch it. I love it. I grew up around it, so that's, that's about it. Gotcha. Uh, Joe, we're just talking before you came on, then we'll get to the series itself, boys. You might not be heading into Canada this year. Have you? I know Todd Fredericks is on the return to play committee, and you, you might know more than uh, you're able to let on, um, re- regarding what the schedule is going to look like or when the season is going to start. But there's rumblings that there's going to be an all Canadian division in the NHL. Uh, which would uh, preclude any AHL teams from making their way north with the quarantine and the fact that the border's shut. Have you heard anything along those lines, Joe? Uh, pretty much just a lot of smoke right now, Kenny, but you know how that usually plays out. So um, I would assume right now if the Iowa Wild season is to start in December like we hope, uh, or even maybe January, that we would probably be more of a regionally-based travel schedule for this season. But that's just my guess, given on what I've heard, what I've read. Yep. Um, what probably makes the most sense in today's climate. All right, let's, but same question for both of you before we get uh, um Do we have the right two teams? Who should be here that's not? Joe, we'll start with you. I think Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I think I thought the Golden Knights, you know, and maybe even the Colorado Avalanche were sort of the mm-hmm. cream of the crop. The Avs got decimated by injuries. They lost to Dallas, and Dallas really shocked me. I didn't think anybody would beat Vegas in five games, let alone beat them at all. Um, so I guess, you know, some ways to answer your question, you, I guess you got to give Dallas a lot of credit for getting where they, they got to uh, and dispatching two of the, the best teams in the Western Conference. But uh, I really thought Vegas, you know, as the, as the bubble playoffs moved along, uh, had the best chance from the West. I didn't think Dallas would get out of the first round. How about you, John Schaefer? I'm kind of along those same lines. Vegas was just rolling, and, and they look to be that unstoppable machine. So to not see them in the finals this year is kind of, kind of stunning in the Eastern Conference. I think Tampa Bay absolutely has been, yep. you know, the best team in, in the playoff format that we've seen, you know. So it's, I, I think, to me, them losing game one was the real surprise in this series. Yeah, so, John, I'll stick with you. I, when I watch this Tampa Bay team, I see a team that's starting to wear down. I mean, they're really good normally. Uh, early in the hockey game, you know, they're, they're first and second period. They're all over whoever, whomever they're playing. Uh, but they started to wear down. I think the Islander series, and Joe, I know you loved them, but John, I thought that the Islander series took a lot out of them. Are you seeing the same thing that this team, you know, they better have a couple of goal cushion as we saw last night because the third period and as the game goes on, that's not been kind to the Lightning. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that Islanders series was a lot tougher than maybe it, it looked on paper. Those, that Islanders team plays heavy hockey and, yeah. and Tampa Bay kind of wore out a little bit in that one. But I think that's kind of what carried over into that game one. And, and the Stars play a, a similar style in that sense where if they get down, they're going to start getting into you a little bit, getting sticks into you, drawing penalties, that kind of stuff. Uh, Joe O'Donnell, series is tied at one apiece. Um Going forward, what's the key to you? I'm gonna before you before you predict how it's going to end. What's the key going forward to you for for? I'll, I'll give you Tampa Bay, and then uh, John, put your thinking cap on for Dallas. Tampa Bay's key to winning this thing is what? I think it's continuing to find a way to get in the eyes uh, and the face of Anton Hudobin, um, who was a career journeyman in net. Mm-hmm. He's made the most of this opportunity. He has been the best goaltender in the playoffs. I think is probably safe to argue he had the highest save percentage in the regular season, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. And you go back and look at the numbers. Uh, a little bit smaller in stature, but he competes. His teammates love playing for him. I think if Tampa's going to have success in the series, they've got to get those deflections. They've got to bang home rebounds. 
and they got a screen hood open because right now he's in that type of groove where if he sees it, he's he's pretty much stopping it. Uh, make a case for Dallas, uh, John, going forward. I, I think they got to stay out of the penalty box. We saw last night what Tampa Bay's power play can do with yeah. two goals uh, early on, and and so I think that's where it starts with them and, and riding that wave of Hudobin. I mean, he's like Joe just said, he's been one of the best all playoffs and. So you got to, one, make sure you're clearing out in front of the net if you're going to win, and then just get plenty of pucks on net. I mean, you got to pepper the goalie all day. My coach always said good things happen when you put the puck on net, and I think it's kind of been the case for Dallas this playoff run, too. Joe, if Tampa Bay doesn't win this year, I mean, considering what they – they're kind of like Virginian basketball, right? They were the best team in the in the regular season two years ago, far and away, and they got swept in the first round of the playoffs four straight. Uh, we saw Virginia the same way, get beat as a, as a one seed, 16 picks off a one, and they come back the next year, and they cut down the nets. Uh, I kind of saw similar storylines unfolding here for Tampa, but if they don't get it done this year, is this – are they kind of – the Atlanta Braves of hockey, maybe, if, if they don't win? Uh, I mean, you'd have to start to wonder how much it would wear on some of their older players. Now, they did make some changes to their roster this year, that, uh, especially around the trade deadline, that allowed them to get a little bit more playoff ready with some gritty players and not so much relying on all this skill. You know, take adding pieces that will help you win uh, in, in the postseason. So I think they've made some adjustments that could give them some, you know, it's not like their run is over. I don't think the window is closing by any means on Tampa Bay. They're, but there is a lot of pressure on them. This Dallas team wasn't really expected to be here by a lot of the pundits. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a younger group, uh, a really young defensive core, a lot of guys that played in the American Hockey League the last few years. Tampa is aging a bit in that regard compared to Dallas. And so I'd say, uh, you know, Outside of Dallas with Pavelski and, and Corey Perry, you know, for the most part, they're a younger team. And I, I think that, uh, you know, a team like Tampa has a little bit more pressure to try and win this year. Yeah, Pavelski and Corey Perry, I mean, they've been great for that lineup, of that playoff experience. Stanley Cup for yep. Perry, Olympic gold medal for Corey Perry and Van Hughes, part of that Canadian 2010 team. Uh, I want to say um, him and Getzlaff, um teammates uh, on that team in, in the regular season uh, as well. Uh, John and Joe, both of you this one, the bubble's been unbelievable. Again, there's been no positives at all, I don't believe, uh, through this entire going back until the second week in July or the third third week in July when the East went to Toronto and the Western teams went to Edmonton. Are you surprised that the bubble's been as uh, as as good as it has been? I mean, it seemingly has been Corona-proof. Yeah, I think they just I mean, announced again, uh, sorry, John, uh, that, that I, you know, at least like 50,000 tests they've done now or something crazy, and they haven't had a positive test. So um, it's been well achieved. Now I will encourage your listeners to check out an article uh, on the mother- mothership on ESPN.com that Greg Wyshynski and a- Emily Kaplan did where they interviewed nine uh, players, um, you know, anonymous players that wouldn't go on record, but they, they interviewed them about the bubble experience. Yeah. And it shares a little, well, I should say a lot of insight into how it wasn't maybe as pretty as it was made up to be on the outside. Mm. Uh, some In of the what respects, Joe? wise well, yeah, so not safety-wise. The yeah. players, to a man, everybody that was interviewed said it was it was as safe as it could be, almost over the top with safety from the fencing to the mask wearing. But just the – there was golf outings that were hyped up. There were a lot of restaurants that were hyped up that weren't available. There was, you know, in the brochures the players got before they accepted this agreement, there was a picture of a guy fly fishing. So I think some of the players <laughs> felt like they'd be able to get out a little bit. 
But once you get in the grind of a game every other day and it starts to hype up an intensity and, and meaningfulness of, of, the, of the actual gameplay, guys didn't find a lot of time to get anything done. Um, so anyway, check it out. It was a real, I read it this morning. It was awesome. I mean, they asked him everything from what was it like drinking at the hotel bar with other teams to uh, were there women in there? Was there drugs in there? I mean, like, they asked him a ton of stuff, and they really? got very honest answers. So um, it was a really, really interesting piece. And a lot of players said, yeah, we would do the bubble again if A, B, and C happened. But there were a lot of guys that said, listen, this was not – as advertised, it wasn't as transparent as we would have liked it to have been. And I think that they were promised that the families could join them for the conference yes. final. And that's all well and good if your family's based in Canada. But if you're yeah. outside, if you're yeah. on the other side of the border, I mean, these guys are playing for a cup, and, and, and their wives and their fa- family members can't be there if they live in the United States or anywhere else in the world not named Canada. And that's a, that was another part of the piece, too, is that uh, a lot of families were not able to get in or they would have to fly private to get in, which can cost 50000 or more, um, or they'd have to drive over the border and quarantine for a certain amount of time. And I don't know that all that was laid out for the players. They were just told, hey, get to the conference finals, and you get reunited with your family. And it wasn't as clean-cut as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, guys, let's go on record. John Schaefer, you first. We're down to a best of five. The series is tied at one apiece. Uh, game one, as you mentioned earlier, John went to Dallas. Tampa Bay tied it up last night, a 3-2 victory. Five of them left. How many will we see and whom will uh, skate around with the Stanley Cup? I, I think this one goes six games, and I think it's Dallas. I think you Dallas think it's Dallas? Shown, okay. Got- I think it's Dallas. I think they've shown the legs to play three full periods a night. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think as St. Louis proved a year ago, right? A hot goaltender, and yep. I like their odds. So, all right for John for John Schaefer, he's got the Dallas Stars in six. Joe O'Donnell, how about you? John makes a lot of good points. I would hate to see it, so I'm going the other way. I thought <laughs> so they were six at the start of this start of this series. I really did. Uh, so I'm not going to change that pick now. I, I will say, to your point, Kenny, I just looked it up. Dallas has scored 48 of their 64 goals in the second and third periods. Wow. Um, they seem to get stronger as the game moves on. So for Tampa, get the lead, take away Hudobin's eyes, play with the lead because Dallas is sort of the comeback kids of this playoffs. But I think Tampa will win the next two games, take a 3-1 series lead, and eventually close it out in game six. All right, I got a question for each of you. First you, Joe. Minnesota Wild, your parent club up there, were part of the playoffs as the 10 seed, got beaten four games against Vancouver. The self-proclaimed state of hockey, if they ever get really good, it's incredible to think what it's going to be. Just how far away are they? I, As you guys know, I'm a very casual hockey guy. Is it a couple of big free agent pickups? Is it still drafting? We're talking three, four years down the line. What would it take for them to become one of the elite teams in the league? Well, I'll give you this, Trent. Um, for Minnesota Wild fans of of old, it's changing. The guard is changing. And for the longest time from the Chuck Fletcher regime, and I love Chuck Fletcher to death, to the Paul Fent regime, which is very short-lived, and now Bill Guerin being in charge, you always had the same core. That's gone now. Miko Koivu is not coming back. Zach Parisi could be traded. We just saw that they... Um, you know, have made some other significant moves uh, to that franchise. Eric Stahl was traded. So they're trying to get younger and faster, which is a more exciting brand of hockey. It might take a couple of years for that to come to fruition. 
but uh, Bill Guerin is making moves that previous GMs either were unable to do or unwilling to do. I think if you're a Minnesota Wild fan, that part is exciting. So I don't see any reason why in today's NHL, two seasons from now, they can't be a team three seasons from now that you're looking at as a young team, an energetic team that has a chance to compete for Stanley Cup. All right, one for you, Schaefer. I see you every Friday night, regardless of where I am. <laughs> you're in the same spot, Zion, at Southeast Folk on Friday night. Boy, an impressive performance out of the Rams. I don't think it's close. They're the best team in the state. Anybody right now that can run with the Rams from what you've seen across Central Iowa? I don't I don't think so. Not right now. I mean, maybe the defense of Johnston could try and give them a fit. Otherwise, if you're Ankeny, you got to just hope that you can outgun them a little bit. I mean, but 4A is Southeast Polk's to lose right now. Mm, interesting. Uh, and Joe O'Donnell, Anton Lindell's going to be a wild uh, member of the what They draft nine. That, that seems like the pick that uh, uh, that most mocks have. And he makes sense. He's a center iceman. Um, is that, have you looked into that at all? What's what's the buzz on, on who Garen is going to draft here in a couple of weeks? He's been very honest about needing a center. Um, and even if the top three or four are off the board, you know, if you get the fifth best center in the draft, it's still probably. Uh, a significant upgrade. Again, get them younger and add some depth at center ice position. The only other sort of variable there is that goaltender, yes. uh, Askarov or whatever his name yep. is, the Russian kid that's yep. supposed to be lights out. Yep. But is that a reach at number nine? I think that's what Minnesota will have to sort of sift through. Yeah, you, you, it's one of these things you're going to look back and why the hell do we let the, a lot of teams will, Joe. I'm with you. This, right. It's just tough <laughs> to draft one in the top ten regardless how good they are. Fellas, thank you. I appreciate what you did for us uh, as the playoffs got underway and recapping. It's been fun. It's been different. Uh, but uh, we've got uh, f- potentially five of them left uh, and we'll see how it works out. John Schaefer, WOI, Joe O'Donnell from the Iowa Wild. Thank you, boys. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. We talk a little puck here. We'll talk a little Cyclones next. Thank you, Trent, for allowing that. Of of course, of course. Um, We'll come back. Eric Heft, Iowa State, up next. At 11.05, Cody Goodwin on uh, Des Moines Public Schools. What does this mean? Does he know anything more? Has there been movement this morning? Uh, And then Zuba Mahante. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Reminds me of April or May. Remember ESPN on Sunday night when they had no sports? Yeah. They played the Eagles concert. That's you right. That? <laughs> That's really good. I'm glad I watched it. Anyways, let's get Eric Hefton here. He is, of course, the analyst for Iowa State men's and uh, college basketball and football. And Eric joins the program. Eric, Krent, and Ken. Good, as always, to talk with you, Eric Heft. Are you and John going to be in Fort Worth um, for this Saturday's game against TCU? We know the NFL... Uh, Major League Baseball, their announcers aren't going on the road. How is the Big 12 handling this? Well, as of uh, 10.45 on Tuesday, yes, we're going to be there. Nice. We're planning on it. So are you driving? We are actually driving. I figured as much. So you, John, together, anybody else in the vehicle? Uh, Yeah, Brent. Bloomy, Okay. And uh, I can know whether Rod or Jeff from BG Productions uh, so yeah, uh, a driver. Got <laughs> <laughs> to have one be of you. those. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so anyway, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, 
not my ideal way to go to to Fort Worth, but I'm just I'm just thrilled to be able to go absolutely and, and do the game. So absolutely. Now that may change in the winter months, right? Yeah. With the, with the weather, etc., and the travel throughout the Big Twelve footprint. But anyways, we'll we cross, can all we can all hope. Absolutely, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge, uh, Eric Heft. So let's go back to Week One before we look forward. Uh, just uh, you know, as you saw this team, uh, obviously the start that everybody thought we were, was going to happen, it didn't happen. That's a pretty good raging Cajun football team. But you're t- Takeaway from uh, from the opening week loss, Eric, would be what? Oh well, disappointing that you lost. Obviously, first and foremost, always. Uh, I saw some some really good things, especially in the first half. I thought, you know, I thought the offensive line uh, looked pretty good for that first time they'd been together. I thought they actually controlled the line of scrimmage, uh, which I didn't know what to expect against a, a good defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then defensively, I was really pleased throughout. I thought the defense saved for one big play, which you know, obviously you can't take that away. But right. but I think uh, I was really pleased with the defense. I was really disappointed, obviously, in special teams. Uh, and I think, especially in the second half, I I was uh, it was, maybe throughout the entire game actually, our receivers just struggled to get open. Mm-hmm. I think. And whether they were slipping, uh, I don't. I don't think that was it, or the timing was just off a little bit. Uh, maybe some inexperience from from Xavier Hutchinson. Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, I'm not really sure. Certainly missed Charlie Kohler. Yep. Obviously, a huge huge miss of Trevor Downing uh, in the second half. But having said all that, man, the special teams. Without those two special teams play, I really believe Iowa State wins the football game. Uh, you can't take those away. Those are hard things, I'm sure, to practice in a normal time, even more so now. But you got to fix that, or uh, TCU's hurt Iowa State with special teams plays in the past, and that would be really big this weekend if they can't get that fixed. Offensive line has their issues and injury also in there, a big impact, and we saw that be the case here. How much do you think that impacted Brock Purdy and the struggles that he had in the game against Louisiana? Oh, maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I think... It just looked like he was a little unsure of where his receivers were going to be. And maybe that's a product of this crazy year we're in, uh, new faces, or, or or maybe he was just having a, a bit of an off day. Uh, but he uh, he was searching a little bit, and he wasn't throwing to guys that were wide open a lot. And then, of course, and dropped a few when he, when he did find someone open. So uh, a combination of things, maybe pressed a little bit. Uh, first live action, uh, you never know what you're going to get for sure, even from experienced players. But uh, I thought Iowa State's experience would be a really huge thing going into the game. And while I'm sure it was at some positions, uh, not always completely across the board. Have you been able to see a practice, Eric, from afar, even if uh, you're from afar? Uh, not really. Nothing. Okay. Because I was going to ask you not to say, you know, who would it be if, if Brock Purdy loses his helmet or you know he gets dinged up or something. Not asking you who it would be, but when he's with Deckers and Bowman, just a strength or just a comment on either of those two. If, if you've seen nothing of those two, <laughs> really, yeah. uh, really not. Gotcha. So, but I know I think Matt's blowing smoke when he says he's really pleased with how they've come along. Mm-hmm. With the caveat that hey, they haven't. Uh, you know, face the action with a different colored jersey chasing them either. Mm. So you never know who has that poise, who could make the play. Uh, but certainly uh, from a talent standpoint, both these guys, I think, have a chance to be really good. Eric have joining us from the Cyclone Radio Network. Eric, Max Duggan cleared for TCU, but the Horn Frogs have yet to play a game. 
what do you know about this Horned Frog team? Gary Patterson's been there for two decades, so you know you don't expect a, a whole lot of changes. But what do you expect to see first time out from the Horned Frogs on Saturday? I think you see pretty much you know that same four two five defense. I mean, Jerry. Or, I mean, he was a defensive coordinator there before he got the job. His current defensive coordinator has been on staff with him uh, since uh, since day one. Uh, so it's going to be that four two five. It's going to be a defense that has tremendous speed, some really good players in that secondary, and a couple uh, mm-hmm. sprinkled out through the D line linebacker. They've got good players. They've got great speed. Iowa State was able to take advantage of, of them last year a little bit with, with some really good play by Brock Purdy in the run game. How much we're going to see of that, you know, I, I don't know. But that zone read was very effective against them a year ago. What we expect from offense. I mean, Duggan, I think, is going to be a really good quarterback. Uh, last year, he was in maybe in a little bit over his head. Maybe they asked him to do too much at times. But I thought he progressed really well. Now, he's been there back for a couple of weeks. But what does that mean? We've seen guys who've come back, you know, after, you know, with a lot more experience and struggle. I don't know what to expect from him or whether he'll even be the guy I would expect that he would. Uh, but, you know, they got they got some running backs that they've brought in, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Phil Steele's number one running back Evans, in the country. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's pretty good. I'll say. Uh, they've got some good receivers. Their big issue, though, uh, on paper, just looking at it from the outside, is they're kind of in the same situation in the offensive line that Iowa State's in, in that they had to replace a whole bunch of guys. Uh, I mean, they had a kid that sat out a year ago, kind of like Iowa State did, but they lost four starters there, too. Uh, can they protect Duggan? And I tell you what, running against Iowa State's defense, I think, is going to be a challenge for for teams all season long. I really like what Iowa State has up front from a uh, from a uh, from an initial player standpoint. The starters, I like the depth two and three deep mm-hmm. up front for Iowa State. So uh, I think if Iowa State can control that line of scrimmage and make Max Duggan, whoever the quarterback is, beat him through the air. I think they'll have a hard time scoring. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a low-scoring football game, Eric Heft, and uh, and you hit the nail on the head. The defensive front for Iowa State is stout. We know the linebackers. And that secondary, yeah, D.J. Miller got beat on one, but it's a different team with a healthy Greg Eisworth, and he certainly looks like he's he, he is at this right. point. I've said since I saw this kid on the field for the very first time, Tavon Kyle's got a chance to play on Sundays, and nothing I've seen out of him has changed my mind. I'm not saying he's a first-round pick, but boy, oh boy, he's a good player. You know, I think that's one of the under one of the places people don't talk about Iowa State's defense. I think Anthony Johnson's really good too. I think you've got two terrific corners, uh, and that that's a great place. You know, when you're playing in a league that wants to throw it around, mm-hmm. those guys can play any kind, any style. I think and be effective. One uh, question as we look forward after this week, it is Oklahoma on tap. Saw the numbers in Story County continue to dwindle. Are here anything on the fan front if people outside of the friends and family that were allowed into the game against Louisiana? Will more people be allowed in the stadium? What are you hearing? I think there's a good chance. Uh, obviously, uh, a good chance that uh, uh, they would try to get maybe ten or 15,000 people in. Yeah. Uh, but that's just that's kind of what i'm hearing i don't know if that's really going to happen we all know even if they announce that things are subject to change but right <laughs> but i i would hope so uh you know as long as everybody's doing the things they're supposed to do uh i would hope that they could get in there it was such a different environment uh for that game and not that it 
10,000 or 15,000 people would make that big a difference. It certainly would make a difference. Uh, it's just, it's just kind of crazy to see it. Having said that, glad we're playing. Uh, and glad I saw the test reports this morning. Uh, once again, no, no positive tests. Uh, so guys are doing the right things. Now, got to find a way to go out and win football games. Absolutely. Eric, safe trip down to Fort Worth. Whoever's driving, drive safely. You guys enjoy it. We'll be listening at Cyclone Radio Network down the hall here on the bus 100.3. Thank you, Eric Heft. We'll talk to you down the road. Appreciate it. All right. Sounds good, guys. Have a great one. Yeah, you do the same. Eric Heft, color analyst, Iowa State. 1230 kickoff, pregame 1030. Miller and Condon, another hour to go. High school football to start with Zuba Mahente in 25 minutes. 1460, 106.3 FM.